I've got a few things just to talk about this morning, and, and I was so asking for a title, and, uh, and, and this morning's title is No Goat for Us, Only Beef. <laughs> if you want to turn to Luke 15, maybe that title will make more sense in a minute. So I'd love that to go on the website, No Goat for Us, Only Beef, because... There's a, few, there's a few scriptures to, to look at, but this is kind of where we're going to jump off from. There's a story we've been in many times before. And, and I'd just like us, can we, <clears throat> we're going to pray, but why don't, why don't we pray for one another, uh, and then let, let's pray for the church in Glasgow this morning. Uh, and for our city. We haven't done this for a while. And I just believe we have a real role to, to pray the favor of God on our city, that it would prosper even in difficult seasons like we do now. So, Father, so I don't know if you want to grab someone's hand next to you, if you feel comfortable with that, or they do. <laughs> uh, this is No proposals now, all right? Now, do that another time. Um, and let's just pray for the person, people around us. You can, you, you can just pray under your breath or in your head. Just pray, Father, I just want to release favor on my friends this morning. I release your presence, your words, your kindness. Lord, I've just been hearing about you heal because you're kind. And if it's our fault or it's, even if it's in, not inconvenient, you still love to bless and heal and resolve things in our lives. And we just release that favor over every single person in this room this morning. And we pray for uh, the churches in our city right now that probably some maybe just winding up, some just getting going. We pray for a huge, huge release of the presence of God, for incredible preaching, great worship. Uh, and all over this city, your name uh, would be lifted up and it'd be great, great glory to you. And Lord, thank you for the role we have and the influence we have in the, in the heavenly realms, which means we can pray for our city to prosper, and it will. So again, we pray today, Lord, that there would be prosperity in our city, that uh, you would release favor on the businesses, on the people that govern us, and, and there would be great peace and great opportunity for the gospel. But also, even in economic difficulty, we would swim against the tide, not just as a church, but as a city, we'd be known uh, for being a, a place of the favor of God. In Jesus' name, amen. And uh, we had a fun, fun time yesterday when he took hope to the streets. There was about 30 of us went out, so thanks. I loved it. I enjoyed it. Thanks to Carissa, she's still here, who did a great job of just leading us and organizing that. And we had intercessors, and we had teams praying for the sick and prophesying over buskers and sharing the gospel with people. It was so, so good. And we were parked right outside the Royal Concert Hall where there was a psychic fair on, so I'm believing we, we kind, of, kind of messed that up in the spirit as well while we were there. Um, kind of shut down a few of their airwaves just because we were there worshipping and, and interceding uh, to the God of all gods and the King of all kings. So it was, wasn't it fun? It was a good time. And we're going to do it again in a month. And it really did feel like the atmosphere started to change. Uh, people at the beginning were quite resistant to prayer. And then we began to see uh, people respond. And I stopped 
silly story really. I had this word about left leg, but it took me, I must have stopped three people who had some sort of crutch on their left leg. And every time they said, no, it's not my left, it's my right, I began to realize that if you have a crutch on this side, it's for the other side. So I finally found someone who let me pray for them, who had, you know, I got the thing, so I interrupted three people's day. I think I blessed them anyway. I just, well, it was, it was fun to do. Um, and people are, are so courageous. I mean, Johnny and others were giving free hugs away. And, and it's funny, isn't it? Like, some people would say, oh, I could never go up and offer to pray for someone who is ill. But the thought of standing in the middle of Buchanan Street with a big sign saying, free hugs just scares the living daylights out of me. So I think you guys that do that are just incredible. I mean, that just takes real courage. Um, praying for the sick is easy. That is just... Oh. That's something else. We had people just, you know, buy uh, drinks for beggars. We had people praying for buskers. We, uh, I got interviewed by... Um, some other people who were doing a survey and they got more than they bargained for. They ended up somehow, somehow their questions led to, I was able to share the gospel with them. Um, so it was a fun, fun time. And uh, I'm believing that we're going to increase in our ability to take the presence of God outside of a, this building, outside of a church meeting and into, into the, the world around us, both individually and corporately. And wasn't the worship amazing? You know what? It was really, really cool. I know it was cool because I felt slightly uncomfortable. <laughs> it was kind of stretching me somewhere, and I thought, you know what? This is good for me. I'm the church leader. This is good for me to be out of my comfort zone in worship. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, so choruses of yay. Did I say Luke 15? Yeah, I did, didn't I? Okay, story of the, the parable of the lost son is in the NIV. Um, hmm. I, want to talk about, I want to talk about Father God and being sons. And, and I've got three things to say, uh, which may all be over in five minutes, but that would be unusual. <laughs> I want to talk about really the encounter that happens in this story between the, particularly the father and the, and the younger son who's, uh, who's returning, the prodigal. And maybe then just get a bit of time to just refer to how unique a revelation of God is the fatherhood of God. It's, it's New, New Testament unique. And flowing on from that, how much trouble it got Jesus into by identifying himself as a son and, and what that really then means for us. I don't think we always comprehend how significant it is. I, well, let's put it this way. I don't always comprehend how significant it is that I am a son of God. And actually the people around Jesus actually clocked how significant that claim was quicker sometimes than we do. They understood the implications of that, that very statement. So if we, if we make it to the end of that, we will definitely be eating beef and not goat, all right? So in this story, we'll break into verse 17, but the parable is about a son, who, a youngest son who asks his father for his inheritance now. 
his father gives in and gives him, gives him the money and he goes off to a far country and he spends it all on loose living and he ends up broken poor, so bad that he's, he's, he's feeding pigs and he's so hungry he wants to eat what the pigs are eating. And uh, it's obvious really, but if you go to your dad and say, I want my inheritance now, there's a very clear implication is I'd rather have you dead and have the money. So this was a massive, the son had delivered a massive insult to the father and all the community would have known the size of, of, of the insult. And then it, he's getting hungry and he's getting smelly and he comes to his senses in verse 17 and he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare and here I am starving to death. I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven, against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and he went to his father. But whilst he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. So he trotted out his already rehearsed statement. And the father completely ignored what he said and said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. So here's the beef. <coughs> For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he's found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near, their house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother's come, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has come back safe and sound. Steak is on the menu. I think in one of the translations it says corn-fed beef. I mean, if you're a carnivore, you're like, mm-mm-mm. Uh, the older brother became angry and refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, you yet never gave me a goat. See, beef or goat? <laughs> never mind. Get the, you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. By the way, if you've ever had goat, you would prefer beef. We had goat in Mozambique. I prefer beef. You never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends, but when this son of yours who squandered your property with prostitutes come home, you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father, says, You've always, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. <clears throat> but we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He, he was lost and now he's found. And, and we've spent time around this uh, as, a, as a church because this issue of the father heart, the fatherhood of God and therefore being sons and daughters is absolutely crucial to uh, Christianity really. And, and, it, and it's really what God is speaking about at the moment. I'm still having trouble with this thing. It's all right. It feels like my ear is falling off. Um, I really don't want to be an older brother. And this week I was, 
facing a few things, there's a, this is a great church to lead and it's a great privilege to be part of the leadership team that leads it, but there are pressures and time and busy and I found this sort of elder brother thing coming up inside of me which was like grumble, 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 I can't do anymore, I've been serving, you know, I've been serving really hard, God I've obeyed you in everything you do and it feels like all I'm going to get is a goat. And I'm like, God spoke to me, I think it was yesterday morning, he was like, um, you're displaying tendencies of the elder brother. So I'm no, not. <laughs> I'm a perfect son. You know, as soon as that grumpy voice comes out of your soul, you know you're in trouble, don't you, really? Um, and uh, I, I, really, I really prefer beef. Uh, and actually this guy was just he didn't even ask for a goat or he didn't even get a goat but he could have had beef he probably could have had beef all the time if he had just realized his access to the father's resources and, and what was available to him as a son but he was just locked in this servant slave mentality of I've just got to keep obeying keep working uh, and I think sadly lots of Christianity ends up there. And, and we're resentful that we didn't, we didn't even get a goat. And we've not entered the party where the stake is. And I, I, I think there was some jealousy in his heart because you know, you know it's an awful feeling, isn't it? Peering in to a great party from the outside. Do you know, when everybody else is having fun, they look genuinely happy, the food is great, the drink is flowing, they're dancing, they're smiling, and you're on the outside, and you're grumpy. Do you know that? It, your grump accentuates the distance between you and the celebration, does it not? The kind of chasm, it may only be 10 feet, but it could be 100 miles because of what's going on on the inside of you. And... I really don't want to be like that. And that attitude that oh, I'm just a servant, I'm just, I'm just working hard for you, Jesus, actually gets in the way of us ac accessing the abundant provision and celebration that is there for us in the Father's house and in the Father's heart for us. Do, do you see what I mean? So <clears throat> it's really, really good to just sort of get out of and repent of any elder, brotherly, I'm sure it isn't just men who are like that either, <laughs> attitudes. But I, I want to, what, what I really needed was what the younger brother got. And Jesus tells this story, and he tells it because he's, one of the things he's doing is communicating about what God is like. And he uses a figure, uses a, a person that would have been familiar in society, someone who had some money and sons and, and, and maybe a big house, and they would have been familiar with this kind of person. But at that point, all, familiar, all, all similarity ends. Because this man, this father, does not behave in any way like a father in his position would behave 
in their culture at their time. He breaks every single moral kind of cultural code by the way that he behaves. So even the insult of being wished dead, he actually gives this crazy kid the money. And then it says he sees him from afar off. You get the feeling this is no chance sighting. This is not accidental. This is a dad who's looking. He's on the lookout. So he actually wants the rebel back. He actually wants the squanderer back. He wants the offender back. He wants back the kid who wanted him dead. He had not allowed the the offense and even the cultural shame that would have been surrounded with that to dampen his heart of passion and compassion for his younger son. And, and to borrow a Danny Silk expression, this, this father's love was still switched on despite the pain and the insult and the shame in the society that would have come his way because of the actions of this son, the dad's love was on. And it was switched on Max, and he was looking. He was out there looking. And when he sees, even afar off, it says that he runs. Now, to us, it's like, well, maybe he, went, he worked out like I do. I know it doesn't show, but it's true. And he ran. But they, a guy in this, that was culturally inappropriate. You didn't run anywhere. You were dignified. You were sober. And if you've ever been to the Middle East, you realize that running any distance above about three steps makes you break out into instantaneous sweat. <laughs> All right, it's not running in Glasgow, this. This is running under the beating hot sun. We had a holiday in Egypt years ago, and it was like, what's the weather doing today? Blue sky and sun. What's the weather doing tomorrow? Blue sky and sun. They don't bother with a weather forecast. It rains once a year. We had two weeks there. We never saw a cloud, ever. It was blue sky and sun. That's the kind of place they were living. So you start running in 40-degree heat, you're pretty... And this is a long way out. Remember the story? It's a long way out. The father's love is switched on. He sees his son, and he doesn't care about the, the sort of cultural norms. He doesn't care about whether he looks an idiot. He starts running out of his house. After about 10 yards, he's in a complete lather and a sweat, but he's still running at the sun. As he gets a bit closer to the sun, he probably get, if he's upwind, he probably gets a bit of a whiff of what the sun's carrying, which is pig dung. Pig dung smear, pig dung, you know, pig dung poop, poop, poopy whoopy, oh, the pig dung. And he's looking emaciated, he's looking depressed, and he's still running. And, and he's getting more and more of a lather. And he gets to the sun, and he gives him a big hug. It says he throws his arms around him. So sweat meets pig. <laughs> and then it says he kisses him. And in the Amplified it says profusely. So sweaty face with lips start slathering kisses all over the sun's slightly smeared piggy face. (laughs) 
This is a picture of God that Jesus is saying. He's saying he's getting a sweat over you. He's keeping his love on towards you. When he sees you kind of start to make a move, he's running in and after you. When he gets to you, he throws his arms around you. He doesn't care what sort of mess or smell you're in. And he covers you with kisses. There's a song that we sing, and some of us sing one version, and some of us sing another. What's the big... He is jealous of me. Is that how it starts? Love like likes... I am a tree, bending beneath the waves of his... Wit. This is underprepared sermon, so I'm getting help from all angles. But the sec... All of a sudden, I'm unaware of his... I need the sec... Somebody help me out here. Second verse... There's a line in the second verse where it says that heaven meets earth like a sloppy wet kiss. Yeah. Yeah. I really struggled to sing that. <laughs> Anybody with me? I think that's not in the Bible. But there's something deeper going on. It's like, yeah. That's embarrassing. And uh, I asked Carissa, I think, who knew about, because there's another version that heaven meets earth like an unforeseen kiss, which sounds much more proper. And, and it was my preferable version of the song. Because it didn't have the sloppy wetness of the... Uh, but, but that's the cleaned up version. The original was sloppy wet kiss. I'm, I am accurately informed. Who would write a song about God like that? The son who eats steak. going to sing the song at the end and I'm going to sing the original. <laughs> I found sloppy wet kiss in the Bible. It's right here. It's sweaty. It's passionate. It's, it's just full of strength and love and compassion and affection and that this son is feeling overwhelmed. It doesn't tell you his emotions but you it kind of, it's probably good he rehearsed the little sentence, yeah? So he says exactly what he says he's going to say, and the father completely ignores him. Have you ever had that with God? Yeah. You know, we have all these questions, oh, why did this happen to me? God, I'm not worthy. God, I'm not. In fact, that's something we say to him quite often, I've realized. We're quite good at telling him how rubbish we are. We're quite good at feeling unworthy. We're quite good at feeling that we don't belong. Uh, we're quite good at feeling slightly embarrassed about who we are and that surely he should go and plant a sloppy wet kiss on somebody else because I'm not someone who... I either don't like sloppy wet kisses, which I don't. I used to get them from my aunts as a kid, so I have other you know, issues. Yeah, I need some deliverance. Because I want papas, but I don't want my aunties. You know, it's kind of... So he's presenting his whole sense of unworthiness with good reason, and he's completely ignored. Can I tell you something? That when you come to God with all your reasons why you're not worthy and why you're embarrassed and why you don't feel it should be you and why you should be counted out, not in, he completely ignores them. And I think he probably 
probably just can't even remember you did it. It's like, what did you say? He's not listening to all that. He's totally preoccupied with treating you as a son or a daughter. That's all he's interested in. He says, come on, let's get some clothes on you. And he actually, it sounds to me like he puts them on top of all the gunk that he's currently wearing. Puts a thing on his, thing on his ringer. <laughs> oh, this is going to get better. <laughs> and something on his feet, sandals or whatever. And throws a party and kills a fatted calf and it's beef time for the sun. You know, we talk a lot in this church about encounter or getting whacked or some other words because we're struggling sometimes for words. But you know what happens. People, and often it's externalized. It isn't always externalized, but often people have something, they get prayed for, the Spirit comes on them and they groan, they fall, they shake, they laugh. Yeah? And that freaks at least half the rest of the church out. Can I, can I just say that it's okay if that's what happens when Dad gives you one of his hugs. And it's okay if it isn't what happens. Just make sure you get a hug. And that you're not feeling, oh, I'm ever so humble and I'm ever so excluded. I don't even get a goat. God wants to give you steak and a kiss and a hug and express his enthusiastic love for you. And he's not listening to all your reasons why you don't deserve it. He just wants to give it. Now, whatever that looks like on the outside isn't the important thing but that you have an encounter with Daddy God like that on the inside is the important thing. And if we don't have one, we're going to feel like the older brother. And although we long for goats, we're not even getting, in, getting that. And let me trust you, if you got goat, you would not be thrilled. Am I making sense? That Jesus puts right up front and center... Not just a theoretical explanation, not just a theological expression about the love of God and the, about the nature of the fathering of God. He actually says, fathering is an encounter. When you come to your heavenly father, you're going to get a smacker right on your cheek. You're not just going to know oh yeah, great, I'm, I'm a son. You're going to have an experience of being a son and a daughter that overwhelms you by the nature of his unlimited affections for you. The intention for every child of God is that they have an encounter with Daddy in heaven that is overwhelming of their soul and their mind and their body in such a way that they know 
that God is affectionately desirous of them. Regardless of their condition, regardless of their history, regardless of their excuses, regardless of their current mental state, your heavenly daddy wants to give you a great smacker. <laughs> he wants you to have an encounter with his affections that leaves you in no doubt of the state of his heart towards you, no matter what state you happen to be in. Isn't that exciting? And, and we have to position ourselves out of, of goat-longing older brother mentality and say, God, I just want to I just want to run into your arms and have you run to me. I want to experience you like the younger brother. I'm not here giving you all the reasons why I've served you and why I'm obedient and why I just want you. Is that okay? So that's what these encounters are about. And we all need them and we all need to keep having them because it's easy to forget what he's like and, more, and just as importantly, it's easy to forget who we are. This guy had completely forgotten who he was. But the father completely ignores his evaluation of himself. He completely ignores his, the identity he's taken on himself and renews his identity as a son immediately. You are from my house, not the house of pigs. Even if you smell like a pig, you're not one. You're from daddy's house. That's who you are. That's your real identity. He's renewing his identity as well as displaying his true nature and affections. And we all need that. We all need our identity renewed. If someone sort of poked you and said, well, who are you? What would you say? That's, if you really know that you're a son with huge privileges, then you're in a good place. If you rush confidently into his presence, then you're in a good place. If you want him to come and embrace you and you, know, you don't care what it looks like when he does, then you're in a good place. If you feel unworthy or scared, then you need to know better who you are. And more importantly, even better, know who he is. When Jesus <coughs> taught them to pray, do you remember that? We haven't got time to turn there now, but in Matthew 6, he taught them to pray, and he said, pray like this, Our Father, you are in heaven. I can remember this one. Hallowed be your name. No, they weren't prepared. There's nowhere in the Old Testament where God is addressed directly as Father. He's likened to a father, in some scriptures, but this was new. He was addressed as Lord or the Almighty. Jesus, Jesus, the disciples say, we want to pray. So they, the thing that we kind of get off by rote, we can miss how groundbreakingly significant, how this crashed in on their world that actually the first thing to say to the God of heaven is Abba. Not even insert God. You don't go, he didn't say Daddy God. He just said Daddy in heaven. That's literally what the Aramaic is there. Daddy 
or Papa or whatever your familiar word. Now, there is respect in it, but there is also intimacy and affection. Isn't that exciting? It's also amazing because this is new. Because the next thing he says is, hallowed be your name. Well, what name? Dad. Sometimes people who have exegeted that have referred very quickly back to Old Testament names of God. But the whole point of this first two lines is that God is being introduced in a new way. And he's saying, hallowed be your Yeah, worship him as father. But hallowed has a, has a significance. It's set apart. It's make holy. It's, this is a singular thing here that we should lift up above all other names. This, this is a defining moment. This is a defining lens. This is a defining way of thinking about Father. Lift him up singularly as Daddy God. Well, not even with the God in, just as Daddy in heaven. It was shocking. It was profound. It was radical. And it got him killed. Because in John 5 it says that they were already upset with him because he was disobeying the Sabbath rules. But in calling God his Father, he made himself equal with God. They understood that if you say you're a son of God, you're putting yourself on parity with the one who is your Father. Hello. So I'm not, there's dad in heaven, I'm a son down here. It's not like that. If I say I'm a son of God, I'm declaring parity with the one who is my father. I'm saying I'm a heavenly person. Because my dad is the dad of heaven. So that's who I am. By adoption, I have all the rights and privileges, all the connections, all the power, all the significance, all the access, because I'm his son. We can't shrink this sonship down to something we can understand and we're comfortable with. We, we have access to everything. Isn't that exciting? We get more than cow. I was, I was praying this week and thinking about that scripture and saying, Jesus got in trouble because he said he was equal with God. If I say I'm a son of God, I'm saying I'm equal with God. Some of you are like, I've totally lost it now. But that's what, that's what the, the Jews understood the significance of what Jesus was saying. And we are just like him, which is why he handed the family business over to us. Now, if you are not like him, you cannot carry the family business. It's too great a burden. Yeah? If you don't have his resources, if you don't have his nature if you don't have his um, strength, if you don't have his lineage, then to then pick up the family business is just going to be too much. It's going to crush it. 
But Jesus expected us just to carry on without a blip, which is why he said, if you believe in me, you'll do the things that I do. And even greater things because I go to the Father. He just says, but look, you're sons, I'm a son, this is what sons of heaven do. That's exciting. In fact, in, in 1 Peter 2, it says that we share, through God's promises, we share the divine nature. Wow. I, I'm going to drop a couple of thoughts in on this and, and then wrap it up. What does it mean to be equal with God and share the divine nature? There's some things theologians call, talk about the nature of God are called the incommunicable attributes of God. So they're attributes of God that we don't really understand because they're nothing like what we are. Yeah. And there's other things that are attributes of God that are communicable. That's that word. Because we, like his omnipotence is communicable because we understand power, but we, you see? His timelessness is something we really struggle to understand. But if you share the nature of God, you have access to timelessness. I'm going to read you a theological statement and make this so, such a legal sermon then. To God himself, all of his existence is always present. Ah. So we live in sequences. We live from one minute to the next. What's he going to say next? I'm struggling with the last thing. What's the next thing? And, and on we go. We have, we, you know, we, our life is a series of moments and we step in from one to the other and so on and so on. And then we have a memory that memories what it was like, and we have hopes and dreams of the future. Yeah, that's, we live on a line, really, a time line. God isn't, is in that, but that isn't how he lives. Everything that has ever happened, past, present, or future, he is equally fully aware of at the same time. So what you did 10 years ago or five minutes ago is equally full-on present in God's awareness of what you're going to do in 10 years' time and as what you're doing now. He's timeless, which means all of existence is full-on in his consciousness at this present moment, if you like. We still struggle because we can't talk outside time because we live inside time, but he lives outside time, which means all of time is equally present in his awareness because he lives like an eternal now. Yeah. Right, this is about cow. Right, this is eating cow. <laughs> eating cow equals we share in his likeness. Yeah. Which means we share the divine nature. Which means we are, because we're sons and daughters, we are equal with God. I don't mean that we tell him what to do. But we're, we're of the same nature, of the same status. He's wrapped us, he's seated us with him in heavenly places. There's tons of scriptures about our exalted nature. Which means that we have actually, we have access to God's timelessness. Yeah. Illustration, prophecy. 
God who knows the end from the beginning and who is equally aware of all the things in your life from its beginning to the end, tells you through a prophecy what's going to happen, who you're going to be, calls out your destiny and plonks a marker in front of you maybe 10, 20 years' time. Is absolutely certain. You've just accessed the timelessness of God. But will it, will it ever happen? Will it ever happen to him? It already has. That's what prophecy is supposed to do to you. It's to connect you to your destiny. You and I, who are living in a time sequence here on earth, actually, occasionally, we, we connect to God's timelessness and it reveals to us a future that he says is going to happen. Therefore, it's not just it's going to happen. To him, it already has. And the revelation of it is meant to pull us into our destiny because we have that level of certainty about a God who doesn't change. We're connected to our inheritance as timeless people. Isn't that exciting? If God delivered something to the earth, an anointing, a gifting, and a promise, and he did it 20 years ago, 100 years ago, guess what? We can access it today. It's just as real and just as alive and just as present now as it was then because God says it's full on. It's kind of hard to get your head around because this is an incommunicable aspect of God. But actually, when you become a son of God, he starts to communicate to you in the incommunicable. He's training us to be sons and daughters. He's training us to understand heavenly realms and heavenly ways so the prophetic gives us a window into timelessness. <laughs> Do you want another one? Hurry up. God is omniscient. This is so fun. That means he knows everything there ever is to know, was to know, or will be to know. All right? So he knows all knowledge, all events that have ever happened. He knows everything about everything that is happening now, and he also knows everything about everything that is going to happen in the future. He is omniscient. So all things that are currently known, have been known and will be known, he is fully aware of now. Yeah. Now, because our brains are only this size, <laughs> he can't download all of that to us in one shot. Hallelujah. Yeah. Or we could have fried brain for lunch. I don't think it's better than beef. <laughs> but, he, but he's called us to share in his divine nature, so we have access by the Spirit to all knowledge from all time in all places, past, present, and future, because we're connected to him. Example, word of knowledge. Or word of wisdom is a, is a small example of a download from God's total pool of knowledge 
into our finite brain something that me, only he may know. But actually we can increase that and Julian talked about the spirit of wisdom and knowledge that rests on us which is the nature of the spirit of God. I believe God can show us stuff like about physics because he knows. You don't need to be a PhD to get it from God. He could just download. Like I, as I was understanding this, I said, God, I want to know what the start of creation looked like. You know, he knows everything and he's outside of time. So I had an encounter with God where I saw the beginning of creation. It was fairly cool. It was definitely beef, not goat. This sonship thing is awesome. He can show you stuff. He can take you places. He can reveal things to you because you share in his nature. Yeah. And, and he's, he likes to show off would be our way of expressing it. It's probably... It's like, have you seen what I did? Have you seen it? Come and have a look at this. have the band it's sloppy wet kiss time <laughs> so just just to remind you about this point to this point in a church service I have not knowingly sung sloppy wet kiss <laughs> because like some of you have been going where's that in the Bible that's embarrassing I remember my auntie So I'm not saying you have to sing this, all right? I'm just think what really my heart is, is to encourage you to have an encounter with the affections of, of our heavenly dad. All right, let me just be, say that again. I'm, I'm not trying to produce something. What I'm trying to do is encourage you into an intimate encounter with the affections of your heavenly dad. Would you like that? And I just think that those of you who've been doing FSS with us, Foundations for Supernatural Significance, the homework last time, part of it was learn to address God with intimate words. Well, I've been doing my homework. I've been doing the homework, and this is some of this is the fruit of me doing my homework. So it just sometimes helps to articulate something affectionate when we're seeking to connect with the affections of the Father as well as express our affections for Him. That's just why this would be good to do. So can we stand?